presented here today for you to enjoy is a special 15-minute preview of this week's Top Rope Nation Extra Patreon-exclusive bonus podcast. A really good discussion I'm sure you would enjoy if you enjoy our typical flagship podcast. And like I said, the only way to hear this full show is by joining the Patreon page. The link is here in the broadcast description. So enjoy this free 15-minute preview. Enjoy. What is going on, everybody? Top Rope Nation Extra. It's your boy, Kyle, as we are coming to a close here in the month of June. Try to get one more podcast in for all of our uh, patrons. And joining me on the line today is a first-timer making his proper uh, debut here in Top Rope Nation. Uh, he hails from a place near and dear to my heart, a place that uh, I actually have never been to, save for a couple hours on a runway. But as you all know, my good friend, Liam O'Rourke, big supporter of the show, friend of all of us, uh, you know, he's joined me many times on this show, and I've joined him many times on his podcast, known Liam for a long time. But today, uh, we are going across the Atlantic Ocean and bringing in someone different, uh, also uh, one of the top supporters of Top Rope Nation, uh, one of our absolute favorite participants on the Facebook page. More on that Facebook page later on in this program, by the way. But uh, proving that wrestling indeed does have more than one royal family, please welcome to the show your good friend and mine, Mr. Rick Skelton. Rick, how the hell are you doing? I am fantastic, Kyle. Really nice oh. to speak to you. Really nice to be on. Yeah, and uh, like I mentioned, this is your first time doing it. Uh, we've had so many great conversations on the Facebook page. There was a post you had in particular that piqued my interest that we'll be talking about today. We'll also be talking about criticisms uh, of AEW and WWE, how they couldn't be more different, those criticisms, yet both uh, hold a lot of validity, I at least. Rick, that we're going to be talking about criticisms of AEW and WWE. Uh, today and how they're just couldn't be more different those criticisms yet both are valid I, I want to start obviously uh, Forbidden Door was a little less than 48 hours ago I know you have not had a chance to see it yet but if you uh, had this, this this Tony Khan moving all the pay-per-views to, to Sunday nights you see um, the, the best thing about AEW when they started was the pay-per-views on Saturday nights we could stay up. We could stay up and watch them in the middle of the night. Sleep on Sunday. Um, and this Tony Khan man, he is, he's ruined it. <laughs> funnily enough, Vince McMahon, um, that legend of the business, <laughs> he he seems to have moved all of their pay per views to Saturdays. So, yeah, anyway. what uh, a real trick. Now, I have always just been stunned. Uh, you know, I mentioned Liam earlier your fellow uh, Englishman, at your guy's ability to stay up late for these pay-per-views. Like, you know, I'll get a message from him sometime. He's like, let's go, let's do it, let's watch this. I'm like, dude, it's like 2 in the morning over there. I, I, it's very impressive. He he just says you guys have, are accustomed to it. Is that, I mean, do you still do that regularly? I mean, provided it's on a Saturday, the show. And how do you um, do it? 
Not anymore, to be honest, mainly because I don't really watch WWE. Um, mm. And AEW only has a handful a year. But I think I think we are accustomed to it a little bit because um, anything anything we're, we're interested in in America is, is normally in the middle of the night anyway. So uh, if we want to watch the football, then you know the, the best games on a Sunday don't start while one a.m. Um, and if, if if you're a boxing fan, you know a lot of the big boxing fights are, are in the middle of the night. Um, and um, obviously there was a big explosion in UFC uh, sure. in, in the, the mid 2000s as well. And again, um, you know, particularly I would say a few years ago when Conor McGregor was was massive, um, Conor, Conor McGregor big fights would would end at six in the morning here. So. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's just one of those things where Americana's massive, obviously, and if you want to be interested in it, you've, you've got to you've got to put the hours in. Um, so don't think it works the other way around, does it? I guess you, some of you guys get up to watch the Premier League with your breakfast, but apart from that, <laughs> oh, and it's great actually. I can do it when working. I, I've I've been like, where have you been all my life? Uh, soccer slash football, as you might call it. But yeah, I just I can throw it on. And it's a, it's a great sport to have on. I feel in the background just while I do work because you know there's only a handful of massive plays during the match so it works great but you talk about you know dedication you talk about uh you know putting in the hours let's go around ringside to hear what the people are saying and and we're going to start with Dave Meltzer who certainly has put in the hours uh through the decades here in pro wrestling because I want to start our discussion of criticisms of AEW and WWE with this line. I, I pulled this from last week's Wrestling Observer Newsletter, where he had this to say in his Dynamite recap. Jay Lethal and Sanjay Dutt and Satnam Singh did an interview. Lethal wanted Samoa Joe and his ROH TV title. Lethal noted he had the longest reign in the history of that title. He said Joe should come back and defend it or vacate it. There was no explanation why Joe disappeared. And here's the important part that I want to focus on, Rick. This lack of addressing things has made AEW very frustrating to watch as a fan. And it's not only they don't tell you because they think you are so smart, you'll figure it out with being spoon fed. They literally do angles and promos and leave out the key part. Now, end quote, there was a lot of discussion in the build to Forbidden Door. Again, that pay-per-view occurred a little less than 48 hours ago about, you know, what kind of appeal, what broad based, if any, uh, appeal that had to its viewing audience. Certainly there is a segment of AEW's audience that was going to order that Forbidden Door pay-per-view no matter what. But what do you think about what Dave had to say? And does AEW television, in your opinion, sometimes presuppose that its audience knows what's going on when it should do a better job of explaining? Yeah, I think it does. And I think to be honest, when when AEW started, I, I would say that was a trait I quite liked, uh, having had at least a decade of of WWE's storytelling uh, in inverted commas, um, and being treated like a moron, I would say, mm-hmm. uh, by, by their TV and, and by their announcers, and and I quite liked it, and I think it's worked at times, um, and uh, possibly. Um, not in the way that was intended. And, and the big story that I, I think of is uh, the Omega Page um, storyline that went over about two years. And it went in and out. And there were times when um, Page disappeared from TV. Obviously, they had, they had to deal with the, um, um, the, the paternity leave. Yes. 
but but there were times when when he when he when he disappeared from TV. His relationship with the Dark Order was a bit wishy washy, and at times he was he was big friends with the Dark Order. There was a lot of um, that friendship with the Dark Order, um, and particularly the Dark Order going from what was a pretty horrendous group at the end of 2019 to uh, to being a group that were really over. Um, mm-hmm. That took part uh, took place on um, the Young Bucks show. Um, I don't even watch. I don't know what it's called, but the YouTube being the being the elite. Yes, being the elite. That's um, so. A lot of that took took part on there, and there was a really good tweet um, before the Omega page um, pay per view, where oh, a, a guy, a guy, yeah, and, and a guy went back and he pieced together all of this story and how it had, how it had, it had come about over two years and. And all the brilliant subtleties that they've done, which they had with the, with the young books um, turning on page and um, and page turning to drink, and, and it was it was a phenomenal um, thread on Twitter that put together this 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 whole story. But there were a lot of people then who said, um, "I I think you've I think you've seen stuff that that we haven't." And and I did agree to an extent. I thought. I thought the criticism was unfair because it was a long-term storyline. There was a whole lot to it. But there was a hell of a lot that wasn't really told on TV. And they got away with it just because it was two red-hot characters and it was a red-hot story. Um, But I do think if you try and do that all the time, and you try and do it with things as absolutely terrible as Jay Lethal and Sanjay Dutt and the Ring of Honor pure title or whatever it is that Joe's got at the moment, um, wouldn't know because Joe's never on TV. I just don't think it works, um, and, and I think it just lacks the really some really basic storytelling um, that they've they've got not got away with. That's maybe that's maybe unfair, but um, they've they've been able to um, tell the stories the way they have just because of how good the people involved are and how interested people are in the match, um, and, I, and I just don't think that's an approach you can take with everything. Wrestling, and I think you would agree with this, certainly has a history of hitting you over the head with the important stuff over and over again. If you watch any old TV, I mean, they grilled the key angles uh, into your dome week after week. I mean, my God, you know, you, you go back to like world class in 1983. This is like the most obvious example. They probably brought up the Freebirds costing Kerry Von Erich the world title on Christmas night, 1982, like at least every other week on 1983 television. They they would, oh, Kerry should be the world champion. You guys all remember it. He'd be the world. He would have beat Ric Flair at Christmas night if it wasn't for the Freebirds. And they would just pump that feud. And, you know, that feud basically would find an entire promotion. But, yeah, I, I think... You know, there's been a lot of discussion. Oh, how many, you know, what's a casual fan in 2022? Are people just checking in and checking out with AEW, not thinking much about it during the rest of the week? We don't know what percentage of the audience that is. You know, we do know that they have about a million people watching per week. And pay-per-view wise, they've only crossed the 200,000 threshold once. So there, there is a degree of casual fans. And I would agree with you that, I do think you need to take a step back sometimes, you meaning Tony Khan, and just reiterate what you want the people to hear. It We'll get into what the way WWE does it, which is 
no good, and it's completely the opposite end of the spectrum. You alluded to it moments ago, but Tony and I've heard this. You know, uh, you know, they talk about it on uh, on you know Figure Four Weekly or whatnot. You know, Alvarez and, and Meltzer on the radio show that it seems that Tony's afraid to do like video packages for fear that his audience will just turn it off because they've seen something before. But again, I watch WWE television and their shows are like one big video package with just, you know, an occasional match sprinkled in, you know, between commercial breaks. Yeah. And I mean, they do do video packages, but when, when they come on, they're, they're always like 30 seconds and they're always going into or coming out of a commercial. Um, and it just, I don't think you remember them. Um, mm-hmm. I think slightly in their defense, I think the announcers try and fill in a lot of the blanks. Um, they do. In, in AEW. And I think I think some people have forgotten how important announcers used to be because, again, not, not to just bash and compare to WWE, but uh, Michael Cole's horrendous. He's been horrendous yes. for a long time. And the way he tries to deliver these messages, it just... You, you tune out. And I think when, when, when you watch AEW and you see, and, and you've got two absolute masters of, of it in, in JR and, and Tony Schiavone and Excalibur isn't bad. Um, they, they try and get across these, these messages. They try and fill in the blanks. They try and get across the stories. Um, and I don't, I, I'm not sure people listen to that. Uh, um, and, and certainly in the early days um, of AEW, I don't know if they still do them so much, but they used to do a lot of those uh, Road 2 videos on YouTube. Um, yes. And and at one stage, I think they were doing it every week for Dynamite, maybe before Rampage came about, which more on that, because I, I do think Rampage has got a lot to do with this. Um, but those, those Road 2 videos were, were phenomenal. Yes. They were, they were phenomenal. I mean, there was even one at one point which convinced me that Sean Spears might be good. Um <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's how good they were, honestly. Yeah. And but again, I think they probably underestimated or overestimated how many people actually watched that. Um, and and there were times when the, they were telling stories. And again, like we say, it's on being the elite. It's on this road to video on on YouTube. It's a throwaway line from from Shivoni or, or Jim Ross. I think they they can be much clearer. Um, at dumbing down the message without going to the lengths that, that Vince would go to. Um, yeah, it... Oh, no, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. No, no, I'm just going to say because, and I think I think it comes down to uh, what you said earlier. Um, Tony Khan doesn't want to insult the audience. He, he thinks that smart people watch his show and he wants to, he wants to, to not dumb things down and spoon feed them. Um, but but I, th- I think he's got to because I think I mean, let's be fair. How smart is a smart wrestling fan? Uh, <laughs> do you know? Yeah. In in like, general, I mean, yeah. you know, most of them are like Chad Repack, aren't they? Yes. <laughs> there you go. Oh, man, I don't need to do anything now. There you go. Um, so there was a lot of, or you see a lot of this online. Like, oh, why was this not on Dynamite? You know, you you talked about the Road Two videos, or the, and they had the Road Two Forbidden Door that, uh, you know, the it was I believe it debuted after Rampage. There was a.